Why is it that sometimes you do things that are really difficult, hard work, but it's not draining? And other things you do feel burdensome, even though they're really not even all that hard. What is it that makes work burdensome? That's important to know, because the things that feel burdensome to you and the things that don't can be indications of your eternal destiny. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Let's start by playing a little game. Remember that game show where you name the tune in so many notes? So we're going to do this. this is name that story. Who can tell me what Bible story this line comes from? I have been slaving for you. I've been slaving for you. Here, I'll give you a little more context. How about this? I have been slaving for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Let me give you a little more context. All these years, I've been slaving for... There it is. There it is. We got it. We got it. Very good. Luke 15, prodigal son. That's the older brother... Uh, I actually had more hints. You wouldn't have had to get it that soon. I have more for you. But the, 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 the older brother, now the prodigal, remember he went away and he lived his, uh, his, his wild lifestyle, came back, repented, and then there's an older brother that like ruined the whole story by being mad when the father threw the party for the prodigal. That's Luke 15, 29, where that older brother says that. He says, all my life, I've been, all these years I've been slaving for you. And I've never disobeyed your orders, and you've never even so much given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. Now you're throwing a whole party for this uh, younger brother. Now, here's another Bible question for you. Anybody know who the older brother is supposed to represent in the story? Yeah, the Pharisees, the legalists. Uh, you can see that back in verse 2 of Luke 15. You go back to verse 2 and you'll see that the whole thing is about, the whole chapter is, uh, the, the legalists were uh, looking down their nose at these sinners that Jesus were coming to Jesus and they were repenting and they were just thinking, oh, they're filthy people. And so they were looking down their nose at them. And Jesus tells these three stories about, no, 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 this is, you should be rejoicing when someone comes to repentance, not not grumbling. And so so that's the main point. And I don't blame you if you didn't get the, uh, on the very first try there, get know that this was the prodigal story. I don't think I would have either, because that's not the that's not the main point. The main point is rejoice when someone when a sinner repents. However, it's interesting that when Jesus is telling that story and he comes up with a character in a story that's supposed to represent the legalists, that he puts into the mouth of that character these words: "I have been slaving all these years." And I've never disobeyed your orders. That's what it's like to be a legalist. Here's you got a kid who born into a wealthy family. This is a kid that's born with a silver spoon in his mouth, uh, into a good household with a really loving, gracious father. Uh, everything he needs, everything, all, it's all provided. And and he describes growing up in that household as slaving. That's what it's like for a legalist to try to live the Christian life. It feels like. Slaving. Feels like slavery. When Paul was listing all the elements of his old religion, he had all that stuff, but there's one thing missing from his list. The one thing that, I mean, he's listing everything, but the one thing was conspicuously missing joy. 
Right? That wasn't in his list. There's no joy in legalism. None. That's why he starts this whole chapter by rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord, not in this other stuff. That's the same thing as saying glory in the Lord. Why did I point out that the older brother in Luke 15 is using the word slaving all these years to describe a legalist? It's because that's what it's like for legalists to live the Christian life. That's the point Jesus is making. People who think they have to keep their performance up in order for God to keep on loving them and keep on accepting them will inevitably get to the point where they actually resent God for the heaviness of the burden that they have to bear. They'd be like Martha who snapped at Jesus because she was because her work was so hard for her and Mary wasn't helping her and she was missing the one thing that was necessary, namely fellowship and interaction with Jesus Christ. Some of you grew up in a household where it was just stifling list of rules and standards and no matter how hard you tried, you could never measure up, you could never pull it off. Or maybe some of you feel that way right now. You feel like that in this church. You, get, you come here, I get up here and preach, and I preach about all this stuff in the Bible. The Bible says do this, do this, do this, and you just get these commands. And week after week those things hit you as oppressive Heavy burdens, and you come again, and there's another one, and oh, another one. I gotta do that. No, I gotta do that. It's just weighing you down. You can barely stand up under it, and it feels that way. And when that starts to happen, it's probably a symptom of a of a Martha-like older brother-like slipping from the focus on why are we obeying these commands? Who is it that we're we're pleased to obey. One of the ways you can tell that that's happening in your life is when you feel like God owes you something because of what you've done for Him or what you've given up for Him. And so you feel like, okay, now I, you owe me something, God. I mean, if, you, if, if obeying Christ ever feels like loss to you, like the Bible's telling me to do this, ooh, that would be loss. Tell me to do that, that would be, that'd feel like loss. If that ever happens to you, just go back to verse 8. Philippians 3, 8. Look at verse 8. It said, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to what? The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Just underline those words, surpassing greatness. That's the key. The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is far greater. It's far greater. Knowing Christ is far greater than anything you'll ever give up in order to know Christ. Far greater. It's not a sacrifice. It's not a loss. You know, when I was a little kid, when I said conclusion, I didn't mean that the sermon was almost over. I just meant it's towards the end. So let me just tell you the story. <laughs> when I was a little kid, very few things got me more excited than Grandma and Grandpa coming. I loved it when Grandma and Grandpa were coming. I, I would get so excited. They lived in Illinois. They came very free. I don't think they came more than you know once every few years or something. So it was just a big, big, big deal to me. And I remember uh, if Mom told me, I can remember like just vividly being a little kid, first grader, second grader, and she said, when you come home, Grandma and Grandpa will be here. I was, anytime she told me that, zero education that day. 
Okay, right? Nothing they're teaching me is, I'm like, I am looking at the clock from the time I get there until 3.15 when that, that, that bell rang, and that's all I'm thinking about that day. And if that bell rang, I'm out the door and some friends come, hey, Daryl, you want to come over and play uh, at my house? No, not today. Not interested today. And I, I would run halfway home. Just I could not wait to see him. I just loved seeing him. Now, can you imagine me getting home, seeing Grandma and Grandpa, and then sticking out my hand? Don't you think you owe me a little something? I mean, after all, look how much I sacrificed. I had an opportunity to hang out with my friends. I passed it up. I ran halfway home with a heavy backpack just to see you. I've done my duty as a grandchild. I, I deserve a little something. It would just be bizarre. I mean, I'd get, that was absolutely the farthest thing from my mind. I didn't feel, when I got home, I didn't feel like I lost anything. I didn't feel like I sacrificed anything by saying no to my friends. I felt like I was the luckiest kid in the world. I was, I felt sorry for my friends. They're not going home to their grandma and grandpa today. Life in the Father's house only feels oppressive. It only feels like slaving away when we lose love for the Father. The Christian life only becomes burdensome when we're glory, we start glorying in something other than Christ. But if we're glorying in Christ, it is a joy. And the corrective, because that happens to all of us. We all start glorying in other stuff. Just, this is a constant decline of the Christian life. And so the corrective, when that starts to happen, is the line that we sang this morning, all the vain things that charm me most in this world fade into nothing in his love. Imagine that you're involved in some kind of ministry that is designed to... Uh, you, you, want, you have a heart to reach women who are caught up in the um, human trafficking and they're, they're being kidnapped and all that hor- horrific stuff that happens to women. And, and you just have a heart for these. I want to help them and I want to start this ministry. The problem is I don't have any money. I, can't, I don't have any resources. And, but it's just driving you. And so you're trying to figure out ways to raise some funds. And you can say, like, well, I'll go to an auction. Maybe see if I can buy something and turn it for a profit. So you go to one of those auctions where they're selling stuff confiscated by drug, uh, from drug dealers and whatever. And, and you're at this auction and you're thinking, maybe I can get a deal on something and sell it. And There's a piece of property for sale. The problem is it's $500,000 for this property and it, it's all cash only. And you, you do the figure and you, you realize in order to come up with that much cash, you could do it, you just barely do it, but you'd have to sell your house and not have any place to live, sell your cars, sell every possession you own, cash in your retirement early, uh, just, and all of that, you'd barely hit it. And so you're just like, well, it's not worth it because even if I did all that and I could resell the land for, you know, even like ten or $20,000 profit still, I, by the time I buy everything back and find a place to live, it's not worth it. But then you get into a conversation with the guy standing next to you. You find out that he works in the oil industry. And he tells you, he explains to you that this piece of land uh, is actually sitting on top of a massive oil reserve. And if you were to buy this land, you could lease it out to the oil company and you would have an income of 10 to $15 million a year, every year for the next 20 years. Okay? <laughs> and you, you hear that and you start thinking about how many women that you could help and how you could do this ministry. You're just so excited. You can barely contain yourself. Your house is on the market that day and your, your cars are on Craigslist and you're selling stuff and you're just cashing your retirement, everything you own. And your friends see all that. They see you losing everything, selling everything. And, and they're like, wow, what? This piece of land is costing you everything. 
Aren't you sad? You're like, sad? I'm the happiest I've ever been. I can't wait to get this stuff sold so I can get that land. That's what, it, what it's like when a person first comes to Christ. Now, coming to Christ, does it cost you? Yeah, it costs you everything. Luke 14.33, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. So, yeah, it costs you. It costs you the whole world. It costs you your life. It costs you everything. So why do people do it? Why do people give up everything in order to follow Christ? Why? One word. Joy. Same reason why you would be selling your house and selling your car and cash and getting rid of everything. Joy. Not duty. Joy. It's the same reason I uh, said no to my friends and, and ran home you know, to, to meet my grandparents. Joy. It wasn't duty. It was joy. Jesus told a story just like the one I told, uh, except he managed to tell the whole thing in one verse. Matthew 13, 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Not discipline, not sacrifice, joy. Beloved, rejoice in the Lord. Glory in Christ alone. Serve God by the Spirit of God and all of your loss will be gained. Let's pray. Oh Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Let us see Christ. If we just see Him, if we just see how delightful He is, how desirable He is, if we just see any piece of that, our problems with sin would be gone. Our attraction to this world would be gone. We don't have attraction to sin. We would be full of joy if we could just see Him. Oh, Lord, open our eyes. Let us see the glory that is so delightful, so surpassing in ever, of everything in this world that we might rejoice in You. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.